Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Tuesday edition of Pro Football Talk Live. For the last time ever, I say NBC Sports Radio. Well, I'll say it again later in the program, but NBCSN. As of tomorrow, the show is NBCSN only. Chris, it means nothing to you, but here's where it will be improved for those who watch the show on NBCSN. The breaks will be a lot smoother. They will be fewer. They will be farther between. It won't be clunky. It won't be stops and starts. We'll be on a TV clock, not the radio clock. And as I've established throughout the course of the last hour since the last day of the radio show, the radio clock sucks. It always has. It always will. The TV clock, much better. Good morning, Chris. How are you? Good morning. Uh, it will be nice. Um, what, what I'm really more concerned about, what are you going to do? You're not going to start like the radio show at 6 a.m. Eastern? You're going to have all this time? How much are, how much are you going to be off your routine? What's this going to be like? This is a major curveball in your life. I, I'm, I'm ready for it. The, the fact that I get to sleep anywhere from 45 minutes to an hour longer is on the plus side. But, of course, what's going to happen is I'm going to end up staying up another 45 minutes to an hour later Definitely. every night. So it's going to be a wash at the end of the day. And, and look, I, I, I think at this time, and I, I, went, I said I wasn't going to do this during the TV show because the TV audience doesn't care because it doesn't affect the TV audience. But that first hour, I want to be available for the people who have this as part of their routine at this time. So I'm going to be doing, I think, more PFTPM podcasts that people can listen to in that hour that they would be listening to the radio show. So basically, it's going to be two hours instead of three for now, for now. And then I'll pick up an hour later in the day that hopefully people can listen to the next morning, if I have the discipline to do that, Chris. But uh, sometimes I do, and sometimes I do Well, just don't be late for the show tomorrow, okay, Antonio Brown? Make sure you get here on time. Oh, I would love it. I would love it. It'd be even better than you being late at the Combine two years ago. If you were late in your own house like that, there's just no excuse for that. So that would be, yes, major ridiculing, embarrassment. I would never let you let that live that down. It's funny. I woke up at 514 this morning. I set the alarm for 515. And I thought it said 544 because of the picture of my dog in the background. There was just enough white from her from her fur that made it look like a 544 and it's like oh my god I'm 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 I've overslept on the last day of the radio show but I didn't all right let's move on to why we're, let's here. Do we're it. here to talk football and there is some football, football. to talk and Field Yates of ESPN.com had access to all of the official NFL management council 
salary cap number. Somebody gave those to him yesterday. He posted them on Twitter. And the team with the lowest amount of cap space, and in all the years I've been doing this, Chris, I've never seen a team with this little cap space. The Kansas City Chiefs currently have $177. Now, before we go any farther, for those of you watching on TV, you'll see the Texans listed at the top with $49.2 million. Keep in mind, and um, th- th- this was pointed out by Aaron Wilson of the Houston Chronicle, the Houston Texans number is inflated because they got a bunch of deals that haven't officially been done yet. That number is going to plummet when some of the deals that haven't been signed or there hasn't been a physical or they haven't otherwise hit the cap, that number will drop. But for the Chiefs, it's not dropping. It can't drop. 177, Chris, that is as tight, as I said, as any team I've ever seen pressed against the salary cap. Yeah, no, it, it really is. I mean, I think, you know, we've seen some teams maybe, you know, dabble in the negatives for a day or two, a few days here and there. Uh, but, you know, these are you common problems. You can't do problems. it for very long. No, you, you can't, can't you do can't, it for very no, long. You gotta I know. Settle up. You got to settle up at the end of the day. I'm not aware of being able to be in the negatives. You've got to be on the right side of the cap at the end of the day. You can be negative throughout the day, but by 4 p.m. Eastern, you got to be on the right side of the cap where there is. I don't know what the consequence is because I don't think anybody's ever done that. I don't think anybody's ever done it either. No, I, I was more referring to like before the year start, league year starts, right. things like that. You see the numbers and the negatives and everything like that. But hey, these are problems that yeah, the wealthy have. When you're wealthy, you're about to put a huge diamond ring on your, you know, your ring finger, your championship ring finger. There's a lot of good players on that football team. I mean, it's not a shock. I mean, you know, we've seen this happen to the Seattle Seahawks. We saw the Denver Broncos have problems with the cap after they won the Super Bowl. You have superstar players, free agents become in demand. And of course, the elephant in the room is they have a quarterback that we all know is going to be the highest paid player in the history of the sport, and they don't have a lot of wiggle room. And the biggest thing, I think, Mike, with anything, with any of this, and what we always see, other than the New England Patriots, everybody else does this, is they hold on to players of their Super Bowl teams too long. They can't cut the cord. Oh, that was a special team. Ooh, that was a special group in the locker room. So people keep that lifeline alive a little bit longer. Now, I don't know who the casualties should be in Kansas City. I've got a few names we'll discuss here in a minute. But, you know, when you look at who's being paid, you know, other than this one guy, a.k.a. Sammy Watkins, everybody else is, you know, a huge contributor to the football team as far as the guys that are making major money uh, and uh, and a knock to the salary cap. Well, and before we get to Watkins, there is an easy yeah. way to take some of the bigger contracts and create cap space. Frank sure, Clark, for right. example, he's got a $19.3 million cap number. They can take his $12 million salary, and let's just say they take $10 million of it and leave him with a $2 million salary. They can spread the $10 million over the next four years, $2.5 million per year, and they create $7.5 million in cap space now. So they can do that in a heartbeat. They can do that in a second, and it doesn't affect Frank Clark at all. It gets him all of his money now, or at least it guarantees all of it now, and I think it may already be guaranteed anyway, so it's no big deal if he's willing to do it. Sometimes guys aren't willing to do it, but if Clark is willing to do it, they can create $7.5 million in 2020 cap space with the stroke of a pen. There are other guys who fall into that same category. Tyron Matthews' deal could be restructured. You've got guys like Eric Fisher. You've got guys like Travis Kelsey. Now, some guys will have to be extended because we've got several players like Matthew and Fisher and Kelsey who have only two years left on their deal, so you don't have multiple years to spread that number out and get the lowest possible cap number now. So that can be done, and they can easily create cap space there. 
but that's kicking the can, and you have to account for those dollars in the future. With exactly. Sammy Watkins, Sammy yes. Watkins has a $21 million cap number, $14 million base salary this year. If they trade him or if they cut him, that $14 million goes away forever, Chris, and that's why he continues to be in jeopardy. Yes. Uh, you know, I, I, it's, it's really odd, really, to this point that we haven't heard much rumors or talks about it or anything. You know, I don't know. Do they want to try to restructure a guy like Sammy Watkins, extend his contract to then maybe lessen the number? You know, he is talented. We know that. We saw that in the playoffs. We saw that in the Super Bowl. But at the end of the day, you know, the best ability is availability, everybody always says. And Sammy Watkins is not available a lot, hasn't been available a lot during his time in Kansas City, and hasn't produced the numbers and the effect on opposing defenses that I would imagine they want, let alone, Mike, they got a guy in the wings and McCole Hardman who's similar in theory, who's a guy that can catch a slant and take it 50 yards or beat somebody deep for a 70-yard bomb down the sideline, whatever it may be. So there's wiggle room. And I'm not saying McCole Hardman, Sammy Watkins yet. He has a little work to do there. But uh, the Sammy Watkins thing is the, the, the biggest one you look at as far as players that could be a cap casualty that would make a lot of sense and you understand it. But I think there's probably reluctance because the offense got them to the Super Bowl. It's special. That's why they won the Super Bowl. Sammy made a big play down the sideline. And it's hard to cut that cord to go, okay, let's find somebody else new when you know you just had a proven commodity Super Bowl winner. Yeah, Sammy made a big play and a smart play where we had, right. he had seen Devontae Adams in the NFC Championship game, how he got by Richard Sherman on a deep route, and Sammy Watkins did the same thing in a key moment and, and, uh, and generated a big gain. Watkins, when he signed his contract, Chris, remember we had this debate a couple of years ago comparing Watkins' contract to Odell Beckham's contract. My argument was, and I think I brought you around on this, Watkins yeah. has a better contract. Because it was only three years, and it was it was from scratch. There was none of this new money stuff. It was a free agent contract. They paid him a ton of money. And what they've gotten out of it is 519 receiving yards in 2018, which doesn't justify $14 million for 2020. And they got 673 yards out of him for 2019. That doesn't justify $14 million for 2020. I mean, something's going to happen with Watkins. And I think for now, Chris, they're going to wait to see – I, my guess would be at this stage of the season, the offseason, let's see what happens in the draft. Let's see if there's a team that's got its eyes on uh, on a C.D. Lamb or a Jerry Judy and doesn't get him. Maybe going into the second day of the draft, there's a willingness to do something. And maybe Sammy Watkins takes less money or renegotiates, gets a longer-term right. deal and still has $14 right. million this year. But, you know, he gets less in future years. There's something I think that could happen, almost like the Randy Moss trade of 2007 that brought him from the Raiders to the Patriots. That happened during the draft. This feels like the kind of trade that can happen during the draft. Or they get through the draft, they haven't traded him, and they just say, they just say see you later, Sammy Watkins. Yeah, they, they very easily could do that. Or, you know, they're sitting there at 32 and a receiver that they valued and looked at and go, ooh, we thought this was the first or second best receiver in the draft, and here he is available to us at 32. You know, maybe they take them, you know, so there's a lot of options here. You're right. I think they're going to let this play out. It's going to be the, the, the long play for sure. But I don't think there's going to be a huge market. You're right. If anybody trades for Sammy Watkins, there's not going to be like a huge market. There's not going to get a huge, uh, be able to command huge draft picks and assets that way, especially with the injury history and the production that you just mentioned. It's underwhelming. But the big thing is there is still talent. And I think that's probably what Kansas City sees, and that's probably why they're not going to, if it does come to a trade, 
just sell him down the river for nothing because all you got to do is look at the guy when he is healthy. You know, the AFC Championship game, the Super Bowl. You know, he made game-changing plays. He's got game-changing ability. And, you know, when he is healthy, that's why he was a top-10 pick. Now, he hasn't lived up to that, but, you know, it's a tough decision for Kansas City. It really is because this offense has made this team go, and, of course, you want to support Mahomes with weapons. Now, what the Chiefs are doing, they are taking full advantage of the rights they have under Sammy Watkins' contract to squat on him at a time when, you know, if he had been on the open market two weeks ago, he may have landed somewhere and gotten a nice payday, and he may get thrust back onto the open market after refusing to take a pay cut, maybe as we get closer to the season. And I'm mentioning all this because yesterday you and I agreed that the Panthers screwed Cam Newton by holding him as long as they did. How do we feel about the Chiefs exercising their rights here with Sammy Watkins to to keep him on the payroll, knowing that none of this is guaranteed, there's no trigger in there that forces them to move him by a certain date. And every contract needs to have those in every year to prevent this kind of thing from happening. But the Chiefs are acting within their rights, and it could be that Sammy Watkins ends up getting screwed on this, Chris. Yeah, well, yeah, there, there's no doubt. But, I, you know, I do think it's different than the Cam Newton situation. First off, Cam Newton is like the face of that franchise for the last nine years. You know, he was an MVP, brought them to the Super Bowl. You know, he's done a lot of good things in the community. Not to say Sammy Watkins isn't great in the community and a great guy, but you just mentioned, you know, he doesn't have the same leverage or, you know, roots in the city, but certainly doesn't have the same leverage as a Cam Newton to complain when we just talk about he's being paid like he's one of the best receivers in football. But yet the production has been below the middle class of football at the wide receiver position. So from that standpoint alone, he needs to be grateful to the Kansas City Chiefs for that, too, to go, okay, hey, I mean, man, you gave me money. You've given me a lot of money. I haven't produced for you. I'm willing to sit here and let you figure things out to where maybe I come back and make that money. Maybe we make another deal and keep moving forward, or maybe I get traded. I just think it's a little different uh, as far as the Cam Newton situation. You know, it's funny. I I don't know where the line is, but I agree with you. Cam Newton is on one side of it where I think they kept him longer than they should have. With Sammy Watkins, they're fully within their rights, the Chiefs are, to keep him. And fortunately, we don't have to make a tougher call for somebody who is closer to that line of what is and what isn't right when it comes to a team operating within its rights under the contract that the player signed. If Watkins gets traded, where do you want to see him? You're always looking for more targets for Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay. Is that a guy you'd like to see wearing green and gold? Oh, uh, that would be one of the teams right towards the top of the list. No no question. You know, again, like I love Devontae Adams. I like Lazard, uh, you know, the other big receiver. But he's like a number three. They need another guy, in my opinion, if they want to keep up with the San Francisco 49ers of the world. Again, if they get into the playoffs and have to get in some sort of shootout. You know, I don't think they were capable of playing those games unless it was a you know, a bad defense. So yes, Watkins to Green Bay, Watkins to Philadelphia, I think can make a lot of sense. You know, again, I'll just go back to our combine conversation with Howie Roseman. He talked about all they wanted to do is, you know, support Carson Wentz, but they have their cap cap issues too. And I don't think they've been able to make the moves or find the support or weapons for Carson Wentz yet either. I mean, I know they got the draft too, but that would be another place I would look at for sure. Did you see that your guy Aaron Rodgers almost got stuck in Peru a couple of weeks ago? I did see that. I, saw, I, I think I saw that on your website on Sunday, yes. Would you have gone to get him? Well, if the price is right, he'd have to pay me or something, what but do you I'm mean? not going to get it. 
You're the president of the Aaron Rodgers fan club. I think that's part of the duties. You need to read the fine print of the I, I don't, of the, uh, I don't. the agreement to be the president of the Aaron Rodgers fan club. I yeah, think it's no, in he's there. You have the, to go get him if he gets stuck in a South American country. Yeah, he's got to read the fine print, too. It says, I don't leave my jurisdiction and go to other countries during COVID-19 lockdown. So, sorry, that's not happening. Aaron Rodgers, Mahomes, whatever, I'm not going to save him. No way. <laughs> All right, we got to take a break. When we return, there's a new coach in New York with the Giants. Could there be a new general manager as soon as next year? Jake Glazer thinks so. We'll react to Glazer's thoughts on Dave Gettleman's job security when PFT Live continues right after this. You never know what you're going to find in the Jake Glazer mailbag at theathletic.com. That's something that he does throughout the offseason. Last year, one of the nuggets buried in there was that he predicted Odell Beckham Jr. would be traded by the Giants. People went crazy, and then Odell Beckham Jr. was traded by the Giants. This time around, as it relates to the Giants, Jake Glazer suggesting that Dave Gettleman has one year to turn the team around, and if it doesn't happen, he'll be gone, and rightfully so. That's the quote from Glazer's article. And Chris, here's my concern about this. When they hired Joe Judge as the coach to replace Pat Shermer, and they gave Judge, I think, a five-year deal with the goal of ensuring that they don't fire him after one or two years. The problem is if you fire the GM and you hire a new GM for next year, the new GM is going to want his own coach. And unless the new GM had plotted for years to, number one, become a GM, and number two, when I do become a GM, the first guy I'm hiring is Joe Judge – that 2021 season is going to be all about laying the foundation to fire Joe Judge and hire somebody else. So I don't like it when teams get on these off-schedule arrangements yeah. where you get a new coach with the old GM, then you get a new GM with the old coach, and the new GM's in charge. And before you know it, there's going to be another new coach and then another GM. Just get rid of everybody and start over again. That's the way to do it. Wipe the slate clean. And that's what – if the Giants are thinking Gettleman's on the hot seat this year, they should have fired him when they fired Pat Shermer and gotten a new GM and a new head coach all at once. Well, I, you know, I think that was the common thought last year, that both would be gone. But obviously Dave Gettleman made his plea to ownership and the other people that, that uh, are in power there with the New York Giants, the Tisch family, the Mara family, and, and stated his case that he didn't think he deserved to be, you know, at fault in the situation. You know, again, listen, Pat Shermer was not great. Didn't always do himself justice by uh, the way he acted at press conferences. I don't think endeared himself to the media or the fan base here. You know, Gettleman, you know, it's been very up and down. It's been a rocky road. There's been some moves you look at and you go, oh, I like it. Okay. You know, there's, there's a few draft picks you've liked. But there's been other moves where you just go, oh, that's insane. And, and of course, you know, two years to build a football team is not that long this day and age. So I don't think this comes as a shock. I kind of looked at this all along going, this is a big draft for Dave Gettleman. This is a big year for the Giants organization in general. Uh, but I expected Dave Gettleman to be on the hot seat if things didn't go well in New York. Yeah, and and I don't disagree with that. I just think that – and, and – you. You you made the point I, that Glazer made that he he went in and argued for himself and and got one. Look, at some point, that's what always have happens. Strength if it's con but you've got to have strength if it's con your convictions, right? You got you got to be able to look at this and say, w wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. We stink. 
And we have stunk for the past several years. And we're getting a new coach anyway. And if we fire Dave Gettleman after one year, we have a mess in 2021. Because then we're going to go out and get a GM and say to that GM, here's your coach. Even if that's not a coach, you would hire. And the Giants traditionally have a strong GM model where the GM supervises and ultimately hires and fires the coach. So I don't, I just don't like any of this. And, and I continue, and I'm going to be as tactful as I can. I don't know. Why, why, why am I even bothering to try? I feel like John Mara is way too involved with this team, and he tries to act like he's not. And at some point, you just got to hire somebody that you trust, and you just got to let them run the show. And, and uh, you, you gotta, just because you've owned the team for all these years doesn't mean that all of a sudden you know how to make all the right moves. And I know Jerry Jones thinks that, that he can do that because he's owned the Cowboys for 30 years and he made himself the GM from day one. But I, I, just, I, I think that at some point you've just got to take a step back. I just feel like there's been a little too much behind-the-scenes meddling by ownership in the Giants in recent years. Do you agree or disagree? Well, I, I disagree. I think that they've always been like that. You know, they're, 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 it's a family <laughs> business. That's the way they are. I mean, you know, it's just, uh, listen, I, I'm biased here. I know the family. They're great people. You know, like you, if you owned a I'm football not team. I'm they're bad people. Well, you know, I'm I know, but if you owned a bad. football team, you'd have your nose and everything too. So I think you can relate to it a little right. bit. For those of you who have grown accustomed to listening to PFT Live on NBC Sports Radio, be advised NBC Sports Radio goes away after today, but PFT Live does not. You can watch us on NBCSN 7 to 9 a.m. Eastern. There's a re-air from 9 to 11, except on special occasions when we go live for four hours. Stream it on the NBC Sports app and NBCSports.com. And the audio feed still available three different ways. Sirius XM Channel 211 from 7 to 9 a.m. Eastern, the TuneIn app, and the PFT Live podcast. So we will still be around. You, Sorry, sorry anyone out there who thought that that meant we were going away. If anything, you're going to have to deal with us even more aggressively than you have in the past without a crappy radio clock to constrain our takes. Chris, we were having a great argument well, I'm sure, about, I'm sure about the, the radios. Giants. Can I finish? Yes, you can. We're, we're, we're having a great argument about the Giants and John Marin. Is he too involved? And we had to go. Tomorrow, we'd have an I extra know. minute to continue to argue. Yeah, well, I'm sure that the, the radio sponsors are lining up after you're talking about the crappy radio <laughs> issues and all I'm that. Just That's the the radio, I'm just saying the radio. I know. I know. I'm playing. Relax. And, and let, let me just say this. And since it's the last day of the NBC Sports Radio Network, I can be candid about this. And Westwood One's the, set it all, the one that set it all up. Most radio networks have one hard break an hour. We've got two, which is a complete and total pain in the butt. When you've got to twice per hour hit a certain yeah. mark, that that and then you throw on top of it our TV breaks, TV only radio. But anyway, nobody cares about that. They care about football. Let's get to it. And this is a new game. I don't know how often we're going to play it. We've got this selection of prices right style games we play from time to time. This is loosely based on a more common cultural game that I can't name here because one of the words is one of Chris's favorite words: start one, bench one, cut one. That's what we're going to do. So here. negative. So negative. Why? I mean, we only How get to say one positive. Well, because I'm not saying it's you. I'm blaming stats. I'm blaming Pat, Pete Dimalitalitis, all those guys in the back room. I mean, bench one and cut one are both negatives, you know? So we only get to say a little positive. It's very hard here. I don't like this. So you're, you're, you're more accustomed to the other game that has, I guess, two that would be positive and one that would be very negative, extremely negative. Exactly. Extremely murder. negative, right. 
All right. right. Start one, bench one, cut one. Tom Brady, Drew Brees, Philip Rivers. Uh, I'm going to I'm going to start Tom Brady. I'm going to bench Drew Brees and I'm going to cut Philip Rivers. That's how I'm going to go there. You know, I just I'm still Wasn't that easy. Wasn't that? Yes, easy? that was easy. That was easy. That was an e- I know that was an easy one. I'm more worried about some of the other ones I see on this list farther down that are they're not they're not easy. But do you agree? Would you go that order? What would you do? Yeah, I think that that's right. Uh, uh, my, yeah, my Breeze and hesitation. Brady. You're not sure? No, 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 no. Uh, my only hesitation. Now I agree because I think Breeze would take to being the backup better than Rivers would. I think that Rivers, as anything other than the starter, is a guy that you would want to kill. You wouldn't want him around. I mean, you heard the (laughs) the rumblings when there was chatter about maybe the Chargers drafting somebody and he reacted very negatively. I mean, it's that he's got that very intense passion and that fire, but that is also coming from the framework of I'm your guy. And yes. if you tell me I'm not your guy, then we have a problem. So I think I think you're right. I don't want Phillip Rivers around as anything but my starter. And Breeze would be an excellent backup, a great team player, and he'd do everything he could to get the starter ready. And Brady's still the guy who would be the starter out of those three. See, that, that wasn't bad. Let's move on to the it next It wasn't one. bad. All right. Start one, bench one, cut one. Melvin Gordon, Devontae Freeman, Todd Gurley. Okay. I'm going to go start Melvin Gordon. Bench Todd Gurley, cut Devontae Freeman. Uh, first off, Melvin Gordon, yeah, there's some injury issues there. But, man, when Melvin Gordon got going last year, you know, he, you, you see he's capable of being a true workhorse. He, his body's in better shape than Todd Gurley. Todd Gurley, I think, is perfect for the bench. I mean, that's kind of what we saw him do last year a little bit. You know, you count his reps a little bit, maintain his body, and then, you know, when he does get in there, he's, he can still fly straight away. And then Devontae Freeman's a guy I got questions about in general going forward. He's been beat up. He's not a real big guy. Uh, so, yeah, he's going to have to find somewhere else to revive his career, which he actually is going to have to do in real life, too. I'm going to disagree with you on this one. I, I okay. agree with you on Freeman. But I say right. start Todd Gurley. You don't have to keep him on the field. He's your guy, though. He's your main guy because I think he presents a greater game-planning dilemma for an opposing defense than a Melvin Gordon does. If you use him sparingly, you still have to account for him being on the field from time to time. What do we do when Todd Gurley's on the field? I'm not saying he's on the field for 70 snaps, and I'm not saying he should get 20 touches. If you manage his workload when he's on the field, he's the guy where he's the red dot player, right? He's the guy you better know where he is and what he's doing, and you better account for him or he's going to burn you, even if he's only burning you in smaller doses. Yeah, that's fine. I mean, I know what your your logic you're saying there, but I want my work workhorse to be the starter. And I look right now at Melvin Gordon being the the workhorse where Gurley he comes in and oh, we got this little creative toss sweep where if he gets it, you know, on the edge, he could go 50 yards. Oh, we got a play action screen or a screenplay. That's kind of how I viewed it. And yes, I am concerned about Gurley's knee. I mean, hey, the Rams were, we get it. We saw it in his play last year, and I know a few times that I came on the show on you know, after watching my film and doing all that, where I said, yeah, there was reluctance, reluctance to cut off the bad knee, too. So it shows up. So that's why I would just rather bring him off the bench. Let him ride the bike, get warm, and then go out there and hit it. Now it gets more complicated. Uh, as I we know. move to the receivers. This one, Stats, what are you doing to us? Killing me, Stats. Amari Cooper, DeAndre Hopkins. Start one, bench one, cut one. Really? 
Really? That this is this is the one that caught my attention, right? Uh, all right, I'm starting DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, yeah, I am. I think he's the best one of the group. He's the most reliable. He's always healthy. He's tough. You know, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna bench Stephon Diggs. I'm gonna put him over there, and then I'm going to cut Amari Cooper. It's not an easy one here, but I'm going to cut Amari Cooper. Really, more going with the cutting of Amari Cooper just because of being banged up and injured a little bit and. I feel like it's tough between him and Diggs's attitude. I'd be a little worried about either one of them, but I don't know if Amari Cooper is going to react real well being a, a bench warmer either. Well, I think both of them would accept the fact that they should be behind DeAndre Hopkins. And DeAndre in the Hopkins, order. right? Right. But but I we've seen we've seen more flashpoints from Diggs than we have from Cooper. He went AWOL on the team last year after the Bears game. And, you know, I I, I have said, and, and we, we, look, Stephon Diggs is one of our favorites. He's great when he's on the show, when we're at the Super Bowl, and he's had some great moments for the Vikings who have some great moments for the Bills, and I think the positives outweigh the negatives. But, you know, even, you know, there are plenty of receivers who, as long as the team wins, they don't care, right? Remember that week one game, Vikings beat the Falcons, they threw the ball 10 times. Yeah. Most players would be like, we're fine with that as long as we win. I don't think Diggs was fine with that. And I I think I think that I think Diggs is a guy, if you're not going to start him, you don't want him on the team. You you don't want to put him in a in a backup role because he's going to be a pain in your butt. More a pain in your butt than Amari Cooper if he's on the bench. So that that's and and you know, I don't know. I I've and and I, I don't know. Is Amari Cooper better when he's healthy? He is better. Every week we Probably, have Probably, but the if he's healthy, feature. right. Yes. Yeah. This one but, was but the I, toughest I, one. Without a doubt, this is the toughest one. But that's what would concern me, too, is Amari Cooper's health. And, you know, again, too, you know, we saw Amari Cooper, as much as he's kind of like righted himself in Dallas and seemed to have changed his image, when things weren't great in Oakland, yeah, he didn't say a lot of things, but I think he went around with a lot of bad, bad, bad body language and showed that he wasn't happy that way and that he wasn't comfortable there in that organization and that environment, too. So you got to take that into account, too. And also, hey, let's not forget, I know you want to blame Diggs after that Chicago week. Thielen's the one that opened the doors. He opened the whammy on Kirk Cousins that whole week. And I think that opened the floodgates and gave Diggs confidence to to act up himself, too. And here's the other thing, too. If we take their contracts as they currently are and their expectations for the future. Sure. You know, do, you, do you, I mean... Do you make DeAndre Hopkins a cap casualty if he wants $22 million a year and just go with Diggs and Cooper? Well, it's a, it's a good question. You're right. Uh, but no, not right now. It, the, DeAndre Hopkins, is he's kind of in the zone. He's in the prime of his career right now. One, he can get open. You know, Two, when he's not open, he's still open. He's one of those guys, and I think that's you know special. There's only a handful of them in, in football. All right, next one, pass rushers, defensive linemen, Jadavian Clowney, Chris Jones, Shaq Barrett. Start one, bench one, cut one. Man, I mean, this one might be worse than the one before. All right, I'm starting Chris Jones. I mean, Chris Jones, to me, is one of the best defensive players in football. Uh, he is a game disruptor. Man, you know I love Jadavian Clowney, but I'm going to put Sha Shaquille Barrett on the bench, all right? Because Shaquille Barrett is, first off, he's been on the bench there. He's shown that he's a team guy. Uh, and Jadeveon Clowney, yeah, I'm going to cut him. Because of the injury history 
and I don't think he's the type of guy that could deal with being on the bench either, and he might cause a ruckus that way and and uh, not be happy in that situation. Yeah, I mean, if I had a healthy Jadavian Clowney, I'd start him every game. The problem yes, is I'm not right, going to get a right. healthy Jadavian Clowney. And, and as you point out, he had the microfracture surgery on his knee after it's his worrisome. rookie season. He, he injured that knee the first game of his rookie season. He kind of landed awkwardly on the turf at uh, the stadium in Houston, and, uh, and that was that, and he's been fighting that ever since. So I, I agree with you. Chris Jones is the guy you have to have on the field all the time for what he can do as a run stopper and as a pass rusher. And Barrett, I think, would accept the role as a backup, rotational, situational pass rusher. And Jadavian, sorry, we love you, but we can't count on you to be here, so we're going to go with Jones and Barrett instead. Um, let, let's squeeze in one more here. This one's intriguing. Okay. Uh, start one, bench one, cut one. Eric Armstead, DeForest Buckner, and the 13th overall draft pick, which is what the 49ers got from the Colts in exchange for Buckner, who they decided not to sign to a long-term deal because he wanted too much money, so they signed Eric Armstead instead. I'm going to go Buckner and start him because he's the best player of the group. I mean, he's he's you know he's one of the better defensive players in all of football. He's a game-changer that way. I'm going to put Eric Armstead on the bench. And, you know, as much as I like the 13th pick in the draft and the possibilities, they're not proven commodities like the other two are. I mean, DeForest Buckner, yeah. He's in the combo for one of the best. Yes, but you want it, you're worried about the money? That's what you're talking about? Armstead is a proven commodity, too. You get a guy, you get a guy for five years. You get a guy for five years cheap with that 13th overall pick. Okay, great. But what if you get a bust? I mean, I could show you some 13 overall picks or, or crap the last few years. So, you know, that that'll, how do you feel about your money that you save now? Or would you rather have the really good player? I, I, don't, I, I would go Buckner start. 13th overall draft pick bench Eric Armstead cut because that that those draft picks before they are exercised you know how it goes the teams act like they are they are like untouchable sacred objects because every pick can become a hall of fame player an unused pick is like an unscratched lottery ticket that potentially is going to give you 20 million dollars right and until you scratch it off you don't know what's behind that that annoying silver paint that that never wants to come off all the way. Um, before it's scratched, it can be anything. And I think before that pick is used, it can be anyone. It can be a Hall of Famer. It can be a guy that makes your career as a GM. So I'm not throwing that thing out the window, although the Colts were very happy to do that, to get DeForest Buckner, and they're paying him $21 million per year. And I think that the the mindset is – that's kind of a wasteland this year. Like there's not a guaranteed great player at number 13. So what the hell let's go ahead and well, get a yes. guy that we know is going to be great. Yeah. So I think that's exactly what they did. And I think they looked at their defensive line and said, we need a difference maker and we're not going to find one at 13 this year. So yeah, I mean, that would be part of that discussion of we were really running a football team and we had to make these type of decisions. You got to look at the roster, what's available in free agency, what's available in the draft. And then you have to try to figure it out from there. And yeah, sitting at 13 in this draft, you know, I don't know if there was a difference maker like DeForest Buckner that you could guarantee say, okay, yeah, I'm going to be able to get him at 13. I think some of those guys might be gone by the time they're picking. And then it's kind of no man's land for a while before the next group of really good different, or, you know, really the other guys that you would pick at defensive tackle. All right. The crappy radio clock requires us to take a break. We'll be back with a look back at Tony Romo's first start with the Dallas Cowboys. That's one of the games tonight on NBCSN's Football Week in America. We'll discuss that next here on PFT Live. 
Third down and 12. The ball is at the 24-yard line. Romo back under center with the crowd roaring. Tony steps away. Moves the shoulders. Throws. Caught. 10-yard line. Jason Witten. I mean, that's a play of a great veteran quarterback makes. Feels the pressure. Here comes, here comes the defense. Move the shoulders. Fired over the middle. Strike. First down. That's the exact thing I think Bill Parcells was looking for. You're, you're going to get some pass rush, but be able to get away from it right there, buy some more time, and find that. I mean, that is a big, big, big play by Tony Romo. You know, Romo reminds me of Jimmy Johnson years ago. Used to have a saying about, you know, you talk about it and the guy's it. And he said, yeah, the guy that's it is the guy that walks in a room and sinks the eight ball. You know, and you kind of kind of feel that Tony Romo may be that guy that walks in the room, sinks the eight ball, takes the money, and walks out. Oh, John Madden right on the money. And you will see and hear tonight, 7 p.m. Eastern on NBCSN. Cowboys-Panthers from 2006, Tony Romo's first start after he sent Drew Bledsoe to the bench. And you'll see Tony Romo sinking eight balls all night long. Then at 9.30 p.m. Eastern, not the same outcome for Tony Romo and the Cowboys. The first game ever at AT&T Stadium. It wasn't even AT&T Stadium then. It was Cowboys Stadium. Giants at Cowboys. Eli Manning went down there and won that game. So those are the two games tonight. Football Week in America, Chris. And uh, God, just hearing John Madden just makes it just uh, makes me smile. It's the best. I mean, it's, it's what I grew up on. I mean, I, I used to see I used to go to Saturday walkthroughs with my dad at Giants Stadium and see Pat Summerall and John Madden walking around the field. I thought it was the coolest thing ever. He took me in his Madden cruiser once. I was like, man, this is, the, this is amazing. I'm in John Madden's cruiser. But, uh, yeah, he's a legend. He's the best there ever was. And what? What do you want to say? What? I, I'm, just, I'm <laughs> just thinking of Chris Sims on that bus, 12 years old, finding the keys, starting it up, and taking off down the road. Oh, they didn't, he didn't want me driving. That's for sure. He wouldn't have got any work done or any rest or peace or anything like that. But, you know, the one thing I want to say, I can remember that Tony Romo game like it was yesterday. And Tony Romo, you know, to me, it's one of the players that gets my blood boiling a little bit with how he's viewed, I think, his public perception as a player. I think he's one of the more underrated players we've seen in re recent history. I think he's a little bit of a victim of his own greatness in a lot of ways. I think he made a lot of really average Dallas Cowboy teams playoff contenders. And then they didn't make the playoffs and teams went, oh, everybody went, whoa, Tony Romo, he can't get them to the playoffs. I want to go, no, they were a 5-11 and 11 football team that he made 8-8. Eight and eight. You know, look at some of his stats, some of his playmaking. He went through a six or seven year period of his career where he was the clutchest quarterback in football with the ball in his hand in the fourth quarter. The numbers bared that out. Yeah, boy, what? But but he went the. There was a period earlier in his career, and it started with that that blown field goal attempt late in the yes. game against Seattle in 2006. Right, right. There was the narrative that you could count on him to make a big mistake late. It happened the next year against the Giants in the playoffs. He threw an interception late in the game when the Cowboys. But that were was like desperation. The there was like no time left. You know, Pat, the game was in hand, and Patrick Curaton dropped the third down pass that would have closed the game out. And it was over. Let me say, you know, so let me say this though. Go ahead. Heinz yeah. Ward, Heinz Ward, when he was with NBC, he was on this show or some other show, and we had the conversation. Heinz Ward said that when they played the Cowboys during that window, there was a palpable sense on the sideline that Tony Romo was going to screw something up. And he did. And that was he had that that narrative was a reality early in his career. It went away 
four or five years in, but that really was part of his story early in his career, Chris. Well, he was a little bit of a gambler and a risk taker, and it goes back to what I was just saying early on in his career. There was no, there was nobody special on that team. There was no running back where we were going, oh, he's amazing, or you know, oh, that receiver's unbelievable. I know they got T.O., and then that's when it started to change, but. You know, I just don't agree with that assessment on Tony Romo. And then he got unlucky in the playoffs, too. The catch game with Des Bryant, all of those things, the injuries. Uh, but, all right, I got another hour with this knucklehead Florio. We'll, be, right we'll back. be back right now. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.